Does anybody know what started today? It's a big thing for the church. Today is the first day of the diocesan phase of a church-wide synod. Now, all of that just sounded like just technical phrases, right? Okay, worldwide synod. What does that mean? Well, what it means is that the church from the very beginning, in the book of Acts, we already have representatives of all of the churches coming together to settle a question together. A synod is an assembly where the church gathers together in order to regroup and say, okay, how are we doing in living out the mission of Jesus Christ in the world today? We've had uh, several synods all uh, throughout the history of the church. And last week in Rome, the Pope began this two-year-long synod, and he called it the Synod on the Synodal Way. (laughs) Communion, participation, mission. But the first phase of this synod is at the diocesan level. Right at the level of the parishes, of trying to listen to what is the lived experience of Catholics today. And that kicks off today. Now still you might think, okay, cool, so a bunch of bishops are meeting in Rome. What does that change for me? Well, hopefully, reflecting on it can change at least one thing. And that is your conception of what the church is. Very often we think of the church as just, oh yeah, those guys in the pointy hats over there. Instead of realizing, yes, they are the hierarchy of the church. We owe our prayers and support always for every member of the church, but we realize we're just as much the church as the Pope in Rome. And so the whole point of a synod is for all of us from all the corners of the globe to be able to come together And to be able to not reconsider what it means to be church, but to be able to think deeply on it and recommit ourselves to living it out in a constantly changing world. Now, even though none of us are going to be invited to that final meeting, there will be feedback that they'll be asking of us throughout these um, two years. I don't know how it's going to work from diocese to diocese. I'm sure the archdiocese and military services will have one way of doing it as well. But the most important work that we can do to help this synod, we can start doing today. And that is in our prayer. That that we can, with heartfelt prayers, ask that every single person involved be guided by the Holy Spirit. That the same exact Spirit that descended upon the Apostles and Mary at Pentecost can be guiding the church 2,000 years later. That, That the church may be ever more faithful to what God has revealed about Himself in sacred Scripture and in tradition. That we may be able to take that, that treasury of all that we know God to be and present it to a world starving to meet Jesus Christ. But as we do that, as we pray for the church at large, we also reflect on, okay, how am I being the church here and now? Because I can talk about, oh, I want the Catholic Church to do this and to do that. We can always think of it in terms of just the institution 
But right now, we're invited to think of it in terms of me. I, as a representative of the church, how am I living it out the way that I wish the whole church were doing? And there, I love the three kind of sub-themes of this synod. Communion, participation, mission. Because all three of those are meant to be ways that we connect to Jesus Christ our Lord. Because we're not here just to gather. We're not here just because we like the sense of community. That's great. But ultimately, we're here for each of us and all of us together to connect more deeply to Jesus Christ our Lord. The church makes absolutely no sense without Christ her head. And so it's to him that we turn and our readings speak of him so beautifully. We read in the first reading, it was kind of a jarring reading, that first line, the Lord was pleased to crush him in infirmity. We think, oh, what kind of Lord is that? Well, the only thing that would make him being crushed in infirmity something at all pleasing is that this was a foretelling of the Lord's self-sacrifice. This is the foretelling of a love so strong that it willingly accepts suffering for the sake of the one that it would redeem. And so we see in this Jesus that we reflect upon that even though he is the almighty king of all creation, the sustainer of the universe, he came down and became a suffering servant for love of the people that had turned against him. And so we realize that this is a God worth being in communion with because he has a love for us that is greater than the love that he has for the very blood in his veins, the very life that he has. So this Jesus is a suffering servant. Then we read in the second reading that not only is he one who suffered for love of us, but that that suffering was in the form of a sacrifice. He is the high priest. And that's what priests are called to do. All throughout the history of humanity, priests have been those who offer sacrifice on behalf of the people to appease the God. Right? That's not just a Christian or a Jewish thing. That's something that across so many different cultures has been the case. That the priest is meant to be a bridge figure between the community and God. And the fulfillment of every priest that has ever lived in any culture ever is Christ the high priest. Because he is the only one who not only connected God and man through his actions, but in his very person. He who was God became man. So that in one person, Jesus Christ, we could finally be reconciled. Humanity and God. So we see that this Jesus to, that, that we focus upon today is one who loves us so greatly that he suffers for us. And in doing so, becomes the great high priest reconciling us with God the Father. And what does that have to do with us? Well, what it has to do with us is that he's the one we're supposed to be in communion with. And how do we forge communion with someone? Well, by spending time with them. The only way that I can say that I, I have that the, this bond of love with any of you is if I actually spend time with you. If I reveal something of myself to you 
and you reveal something of yourself to me. If we actually share how our day's been going, what our hopes and desires are, our dreams, but also our worries, our struggles, our suffering, that's how communion among persons is formed. And it's the same with God. If we want communion with this God who loves us enough to suffer for us, with this high priest that reconciles us to God the Father, we have to spend time with him in prayer. And so during this two years, these two years of the Synod, we can reflect much more frequently on, am I in communion with Jesus Christ, my head? And then that communion in identity leads to participation in his work, in his love. Very often we see those, or we used to back in the 90s, see those, those wristbands that said, WWJD, what would Jesus do? I mean, it's a good reflection. But we're not called to just imitate Jesus from a distance, as if he were meant to just be this model that we are supposed to follow, and that's it. Because that's a tall order, right? It's difficult to just imitate Jesus. No, we need him to actually be working through us. We need to be not just imitating, but participating in his very life, in his very love. It's something that we do by his strength. It's something that that becomes a true him working through us rather than us trying to ape his movements. And the only way it's possible is if first we have communion with him through prayer. So communion with the Lord through prayer. Participation in his work through service. And then we get to fulfill the mission. And the mission is nothing short of every single soul that we encounter being drawn closer to the God that loves, that loves that soul. Right? Every single one of us here is called to be a missionary. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we think the missionaries are for those who are going to far off lands. But your home is mission territory. Because, I mean, and parents, I don't have to tell you this. You look at your kids and you're like, yeah, some days they're wild savages. <laughs> yeah, they're the ones that I need to be uh, spreading the gospel to because guess what? They will not have heard it except through you. But that goes for your brothers, sisters, cousins, friends, co-workers. You are the missionary sent to the people that surround you each day. And that seems like too tall an order. I'm not equipped. I can't do it. Well, yeah, of your own strength, that's absolutely true. But if you have communion with Christ Jesus in your prayer, if you have chosen to participate in his way of living and loving, then you're fulfilling the mission. But we might still be thinking, okay, but practically speaking, Father, what can I do? I get that I'm supposed to pray. I'm trying. But how can I change my living this week? Well, there you're in luck. Because our gospel today gives us a beautiful image of that. We read at the very end that Jesus, looking at his disciples, said, Whoever wishes to be great among you will be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you will be the slave of all. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. There we've got the secret that the one that we're supposed to be in communion with came not to be served, but to serve. The one in whose mission we participate came not to be served, but to serve. 
And so then who are we to expect to be served rather than to serve? And yet if we investigate our own hearts and we look at those times that we've been so frustrated with people, maybe even built up resentment against them, at least in my case, whenever I look at myself deeply in that way, I realize it's because I wanted to be served, right? I wanted somebody to bow down to my will in that moment. I wanted to get my way, and I didn't want to be the one serving. Because it takes a lot of humility to willingly serve another. We'll do it sometimes if it's like for the sake of our paycheck or... Um, because we're forced into it, but to willingly embrace it like the Lord God Almighty embraced it, becoming our servant, that's tough. It makes us uh, push to the side any conception that we had of, do you know who I am? I am important and you need to bow down to my importance. No, that needs to be checked at the door if we're to live out our Christianity fully. Instead, it's looking at every single other pe person we encounter and seeing them as somebody worthy of being served by us. Worthy not because of what they've done, not because of how they've treated us, but because of how tremendously God loves them. Because they're made in His image and likeness. Because they have a dignity that no amount of mistakes could ever take away from them. And there, a fundamental shift occurs that allows us to finally have peace and joy and freedom and all the rest when we seek to serve rather than be served. Because if I wake up every morning expecting everybody to serve me, guess what? It won't be 15 minutes until I'm frustrated and angry because they didn't get the memo, right? They didn't realize that they're supposed to serve me. And the whole day through, I just have to keep reminding people, okay, Come on, let's get on the same page. You're supposed to serve me. And for some reason, they don't. And I end up going to sleep each night frustrated. Why don't the people around me get it? I'm worthy of being served. If, on the other hand, my thought process is I wake up and I think, how can I serve today? How can I be a servant of all? How can I embrace that humility that Christ the Lord had in becoming a servant? then I will have no shortage of opportunities to do that. Within the first five minutes, there will be someone that I can serve in some way. And I'll be able to say, oh, great. I'm participating in the mission. I'm in communion with the God who became a servant of all. And so we commit ourselves to that this week. To pray for this synodal process. And in those prayers, to seek greater communion with Christ our head. And in that communion, we learn to participate in his mission, realizing that that mission is not to go around seeking to be served, but to become, by the grace of God, a servant of all.